Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am joined by my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, cinema lover, and a lover of cinema. Both of those things? What? You know, I take the words and I put them one way and then I put them another way and it makes me sound like I do more than I do. (laughs) Yeah, well, we we, we all love cinema here at Awesome Movie Year, and, and we hope that our listeners also love cinema, and that's why they're listening. So uh, we have reached the end of our season on the films of 2003. And as we do every season, we're taking a look back at our various categories, what we covered, what we didn't cover, what we could have covered, uh, some suggestions from you, the listeners, uh, as to what you uh, were interested in for the season, and uh, just kind of giving a general assessment of the year. So uh, see if we did a good job or not. Dave, do you think we did a good job? I think you guys did a great job, to be honest with you. And, Dave, uh, I think of, the listenership of, proves it. Out of, out of five, from one to five, what would you give this season of Awesome Movie Year? Out of like a four. Out of five good... Four? <laughs> yeah. Out of five what, Man. though, Josh? Five good jobs. Yeah, out of five what's. Five awesome movie years? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Out of five piecing it together podcasts, Dave, what mm. would you give this season of Awesome Movie In that case, five. All right. <laughs> So we kicked off the season with our box office champ episode, and we actually talked about the number two movie at the box office, Finding Nemo, because the number one movie was The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, which, uh, spoiler, we ended up talking about in our Best Picture episode. And pretty much every other episode of the season. That thing was everywhere in 2000. It was a very dominant force in the cinema of 2003. Other movies that were big at the box office The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions, which I forgot both came out in the same year, which was something that was done. (laughs) (laughs) That See, unlike The Lord of the Rings, I feel like that the whole Matrix sequel thing is like, no one talks about those anymore. Right, but but that's um, part of the influence of Lord of the Rings, right? They're like, oh, we can film these two and then we'll be the Lord of the Rings. And you're like, no, you should just be one Matrix. Yeah, that was. I haven't seen those movies, those Matrix sequels. Um, I I kind of wonder if they hold up. They didn't. Yeah, probably not. And but Josh, there is a uh, new one coming. There is, and I hope that's good. And that's you know that'll probably give me a chance to revisit those previous sequels to see uh, how I feel about them now. So uh, also big at the box office, uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, The Curse of the Black Pearl, which we also mentioned a little bit because Orlando Bloom from The Lord of the Rings. Uh, it was quite a big year for him. He's a hunk. Those. He is a hunk. Mm-hmm. Also, I think number five at the box office, Bruce Almighty, which I didn't remember being quite that successful. But Jim Carrey, still a force uh, at the box office, I guess. And The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, another movie that I didn't remember being quite that successful. But uh, weird assortment of box office hits in 2003. Josh and I saw The Last Samurai at a screening that the public was not invited to. So we were in a huge theater with like four other people. And it feels very reminiscent of today. when You go to the movie theater, get your vaccine, people, go see the movies. It's a lot of fun. Also, Ken Watanabe, big fan. Good job in The Last Samurai. Wow, you got a lot in there in just those two sentences. (laughs) After the box office champ, Josh, we have a formula here and it leads us to first feature. And this was a controversial pick this year. Not really the pick, but the argument behind the scenes between me and you, Josh, because I was I was adamant. I said, gosh, darn it. I want to do the station agent, Tom McCarthy. 
And I'm so glad we did. I think maybe that might have been one of the best rediscoveries of the season for me. Uh, some of the other ones that we talked about were Patty Jenkins, Monster, and uh, Rob Zombie, House of a Thousand Corpses was what you were angling for at first, Josh. Uh, do you think we made the right choice? Also, I wanted to mention uh, another, a few others. Catherine Hardwick, 13, Paul Feig. I am David, which I've never seen. And his name might be Feig. I don't know. Whatever. But Josh, how do you feel about uh, the one we chose and the rest of them? I think it was a good choice. Um, I mean, my argument, I think, was that Tom McCarthy's career, you know, if we're looking at a first feature as the the debut of a notable filmmaker, I think his career has been a bit uneven, let's say. And I was arguing for Rob Zombie. Not that House of a Thousand Corpses is a better movie than The Station Agent, because it is not. But just that he's, I think, had more of a consistent career, maybe. But I, The Station Agent is great, and I'm glad we talked about it. It was an interesting discussion. I think there's a lot, uh, not only with Tom McCarthy, but so many of the actors in that movie, that it was a big breakout for them. So there was a lot to look at uh, with The Station Agent. And I think you know some of those other choices were even less promising, uh, whether it's uh, filmmakers who you know haven't had as big or as varied a career, um, or or where the, the first movie like that Paul Feig movie is not really notable, you know, compared to their later work. So I, I think I think it was a good choice, and I'm glad that you argued for it. And we have to mention, of course, in that episode, Jason committed uh, in 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 sort of the discussion of the uneven career of Tom McCarthy. Jason was going to check out Tom McCarthy's recent. Disney Plus original film, Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made. Was that a mistake? No, and I did do that, Josh, unlike you who did not watch Killer Bro Dudes or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And you, Dave, who still hasn't gotten us an interview with Martin Brest. Mm -hmm. Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made. Let me tell you about it, Josh. It's a picturesque day in Portland, Oregon. No, <laughs> Timmy Failure is fun. It's based on books. I'm pretty sure he had kids who read the books and were like, oh, I could do a project and you know do something nice for my kids. He uses the city well. The kid actor is very like, you know, I'm a kid, but I'm really an adult type person. And uh, there's a lot of fun with uh, Timmy Failure and Wallace Shawn in there as his teacher. Scarlett, my daughter, and I watched it together. We both liked it. So um, I, I'm not going to go so far as to recommend Timmy Failure mistakes were made. I'm going to say if you're looking for something to watch with the, with the kids, uh, with the family, and you're like, ah, we've seen everything. You probably haven't seen Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made, and you might as well. Quite right. If you've seen everything, watch this movie. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. I'm sure if I put it up against Tom McCarthy's like worst films like The Cobbler, this would be better. Better so, than The yeah. Cobbler. See it if you've seen everything else. It's not bad, Josh. All right. It's not a bad film. Okay. Well, I'm glad you followed through with your commitment to watching that movie, and it really added something. For our box office flop episode, we talked about Geely, which I mean is one of the most legendary flops of all time. So it was it was really no competition for this. Although I will say that just as 2003, you know, was was quite a year for like Christmas movies, as we talked about uh, later in the season, it was quite a year for legendary flops because from Justin to Kelly. The movie starring uh, Kelly Clarkson and Justin Guarini from American Idol also came out in 2003, also one of the most notable failures of all time. And I, I've never seen, but I, I think that probably would have been fascinating to talk about. So amazing that there's two flops of that magnitude. Uh, Jason, I think you'd also mentioned Willard, the remake with uh, uh, Crispin Glover, 
which I guess was a failure at the box office. I like that movie kind of, or I liked it at the time. So um, I did too. But you know, it's not on the level of those other in terms of failing. No, the thing from Justin and Kelly would have been interesting. I'm sure it's horrible. And it seems like because that they're both like season one American Idol, it was like, this show is so popular. Let's get movie made. Write script now, you yes. know, and like one day later, there's like, we have script. Now we write songs. We have songs. And then I'm sure it's horrible, but there was this weird trend of like uh, reality TV stars in movies like Colleen Haskell in The Animal with Rob Schneider, you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, it, we would have done ourselves a disservice had we not talked about Julie. But um, from Justin to Kelly, like any other year might have might have made the cut. Yeah, I think Julie is just such a, a monumental, like notable failure that we could not possibly even Timmy failure is not the <laughs> level of failure that Julie is. I was going to say, wouldn't wouldn't the cat in a hat fit as well? Oh, that's true. That is, uh, is that the, this year? Was that a big, I that know was it was 2003. reviled. It, it made its budget, but nothing more than that. But I mean, I'm surprised it even made that much because that is really one of the worst. And that was Mike Myers, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Mike Myers. And the idea that I think, you know, on the heels of, again, Jim Carrey, the juggernaut, having done so, so well the in Grinch. the Grinch movie, they decided they were going to do that. And I've never seen that, but I don't want to. So don't blame. I don't want to see it either, Josh. Well, it's a good thing we didn't cover it then. Yeah. Josh, then we went to the Palme d'Or winner at Cannes, which was uh, the very heavy film Elephant by Gus Van Zandt about school shootings, uh, you know, which sadly are still in the news. Uh, They haven't been in the last year, but we know they're going to be in again. Making a comeback. Uh, Sadly. horribly (laughs) yeah other things that played in can that year in competition josh the barbarian invasions which was nominated for best foreign film that's out of canada the brown bunny uh where vincent gallo receives oral sex from chloe Svegigny on screen and i remember that was a big deal at the time dogville by lars von trier and Mystic River, which we've talked about here and there. Swimming Pool, which I think is a movie you like, Josh. I do, yeah. I, I noted that down as one to mention, the Francois Ozone movie, which is a is a great kind of erotic thriller um, with Ludovine Saunier um, that I like a lot. I mean, I liked in 2003. I haven't seen it since then, but I did, I did enjoy it. And that was main competition. If you want, I can keep reading stuff, but uh, I think we're- I think we get, get, get a sense of that. Yeah, Mystic River came up in a lot of different places for this year. And the Barbarian Invasions, I think, came up a couple times elsewhere. Yeah, I'd like to see that, but that's a sequel to a film from like 1986. Yeah, so it's like uh, to... Denis Arcand is the, he's a big French Canadian director. And uh, I don't believe I've seen either that or the original that it was a sequel to. A lot of, a lot of things played out a competition that we did talk about on this season. Hey, Josh, did you ever see The Brown Bunny? Remember what a controversy that, that was. was. Right? I mean, that was a huge thing with Roger Ebert where he, you know, just completely trashed it. And then Vincent Gallo put a curse on him to get him, <laughs> give him cancer. I think it was. And they had a whole pu- very public, uh, you know, sort of argument over this. And then uh, it was recut after can um, and uh, before it was released uh, to the to wider audiences and, and Ebert sort of changed his tune on it and said it was actually a much better movie after it was recut. I've never seen, I've seen Buffalo 66, which was Vincent Gallo's first movie as a director. And uh, talk about weirdos. 
You know, mm-hmm. we, uh, yeah, but Buffalo '66 is a pretty good movie. Buffalo '66 is R. I'm not mistaken, or Philip Baker Hall, one of those like real, yeah, good act. I haven't, you know. I haven't seen it since it was originally released, but I, I do remember thinking it was good, and that was part of the reason that he got all this attention on what is he doing next. He's with when he made the Brown Bunny, but um, yeah, he's gone off way off the deep end since then. So, and I have not seen the Brown Bunny. Have you, Jason, seen it? No, I did like Buffalo '66 yeah. quite a lot, though. Um, Dave, did you? I saw it. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was pretty good, but uh, in its original cut, that I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I it was a cut. I'll tell you that much. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that original can cut is available anywhere. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's only the later cut that's available. I mean, that was a huge movie story that year. I remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and especially because Ebert was so vocal about it, uh, made it into a huge thing. Do you think Vincent Gallo takes credit for Ebert's later illnesses from the curse? I hope not. Uh, I mean, I think he kind of backpedaled too because he did not come off very well saying those things. Mm. So, so he released him from the curse. I guess, or he said he was joking or that he was overreact. I don't, I don't remember all the details of it, but that's uh, really a sad thing if you're going to want to take credit for someone's terminal cancer. Jeez. Just... Not a good look, Vincent Gallo. No. Definitely not. So let's move on. Um, In our documentary episode, we talked about Errol Morris's The Fog of War, which was the Oscar winner for Best Documentary that year. And uh, Errol Morris, certainly one of the most notable filmmakers, documentary filmmakers ever. So, you know, important to kind of take a look at at his work. A lot of interesting documentaries, though, from this year, we... uh, talked about potentially covering, including My Architect, which that's a, I, I like that movie a lot. It's kind of a personal film uh, from that director, Nathaniel Kahn, I think is his name. Um, Capturing the Freedmans, which was, I think, Jason's suggestion. The Weather Underground, about the 1960s uh, radical group. Lost in La Mancha, which is a, a fun film about filmmaking, about Terry Gilliam's efforts to make The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Uh, Touching the Void, a uh, great film about uh, mountaineers stuck in uh, weather on uh, on the side of a mountain and Spellbound, which is a, a feel good documentary about uh, kids and spelling bees, which I think maybe played festivals in 03 and, and was released more widely in 04. So maybe we can yeah. revisit that. No, I, I I was definitely happy with The Fog of War. I think I mentioned capturing the Freedmans in that it was a big cultural impact uh, yeah. for a documentary. But I do agree with you. Um, we both like Lost in La Mancha. Any documentary that talks about how hard filmmaking is, is usually pretty interesting from what we've seen. Touching the Void, I remember, is just, ooh, man, that is a real, like, uh, keeps you on the edge of your seat uh, uh, type thing. Kind of like Free Solo, if you've seen that uh, in the last few years. And Spellbound, I think, might be the most influential of them all because since this time we've seen these, like, science fair or, like, pitching competitions and it's or Boys State, right, where you're, like, going into these weird like academic competitions, but it's really about finding quirky characters who, um, you know, you really kind of, uh, you know, either root for or root against, even though they're kids. Right. So, but the fog of war, really, really good. And McNamara, a very riveting, uh, main, main subject. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're right. Spellbound is, is, is hugely influential as a documentary and we see it up till, even now, I thought you mentioned the pitching competitions, that movie uh, Own the Room, which was a recent Disney Plus 
Uh, yeah, Boy State too. Right, Boy State too. Yeah, both of those were very recent. So we we see that influence right through to today. And I remember liking Spellbound. It was it was a fun little film. My pick was Down with Love, the uh, romantic comedy pastiche from Peyton Reed with uh, Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger, which I love and I was happy to pick. I think I uh, maybe this is I think this is the second season in a row where I, I picked kind of a, a semi obscure weird movie that I love and failed to convince Jason of its greatness. But I'm still happy we talked about it. And honestly, I was trying to look. I don't know that I considered anything else for this. All right. I, I was just you committed. It was immediately down with love. That's the one. Let's do it. So and I'm. Hey, Josh, what was the other one that you uh, you're referencing that you didn't convince me? Uh, Night of the Night of the Comet from 1984. Oh, yeah, that you did not. You did. Not yeah. Which you liked even less than down with love, I think. But I recommend both of yeah, those. Download Love is fun. If it's any consolation, you definitely won me over with this one. It's one of my favorite things I've watched this year. I, that is a consolation. So thank you, Dave. And, and I, I definitely saw on social media some responses from people who love this that movie. So, you know, hopefully we, you know, satisfied some people uh, with it. I think it's a good pick. I, just, I don't love the movie. Right. But that's okay. Yeah, it's you fine. Know. You don't always have to love agree. everything. Yeah. 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 See, that's how you have an adult conversation, guys. All right. Uh, we moved on to foreign film. Where we chose City of God and um, again, uh, talking about a rediscovery, man, this one held me just as tightly as it did the first time. I love this film. And uh, again, so influential. We still see it to the, the, today, the shooting style, the colors, the use of music and uh, kind of cinema imagery together. And not to say that the Morellas was the only one to do it uh, and Katya Lun, but this was a very influential movie. Uh, Josh, I'm going to name some others. You can jump in uh, at the I'll name the first few that I was thinking of. And then you can take over from there because I've seen some and you've seen probably more than I have. <laughs> um, so the Triplets of Belleville was a movie I always recommend. It's a really interesting French animated movie about three old lady triplets. And uh, it's got a lot of good music and really fun animation style. I think that's kind of like a lost animation classic type thing. Um, old boy, I'm still going to hold out that we do a bonus episode on it. Let's hope who knows. But I think, you know, when we're talking about, uh, influential foreign films, we got to go to old boy, uh, on Bach, the Thai warrior, super fun and always fun to reference when you're on stage and you see a man in a, uh, a sleeveless shirt. That's a, always a good reference. Uh, I never saw the saddest music in the world, but I'm sure it's weird because it's Gaspar Noel, right? No, that's, well, that's, it's Guy Madden. It is weird. It's Guy Madden. Oh, it's Guy Madden. But it also yeah, would so. not have qualified because it's a, it's a Canadian film in English. So I don't think it would have fit in our uh, parameters for this category, but I have well, seen it and it is weird. Josh, why don't you take the rest of it? <laughs> If, if you want. Um, the Barbarian Invasions, we already mentioned another. That's a French-Canadian film. Some, uh, some Jason, I think that you had listed that were maybe award-nominated, but that I wasn't really familiar with. Osama, which is a, a film set in Afghanistan, uh, In This World, and The Snow Walker, both of which I'm not particularly familiar with. But I think In This World also uh, won some, some big awards for the, for the year. And I had suggested Crimson Gold, which is a um, Iranian film that's uh, interesting uh, to check out. But I think, you know, City of God, as you say, is so influential and, and, and really, you know, continues to have a, a big following. So I think that was a great choice. And maybe we'll get to Old Boy. I like Old Boy a lot. And Park Chan-wook, I think, is a great director. So be How happy. How do you feel about Ong Bak? Eh. 
I mean, Tony Jaa is Tony Jaa is he's he's a great martial artist. He's not a great like it's not a good movie, really. I think it goes back, you know, when we talked about Meals on Wheels. Yeah. Just the physical stunts that they're able to pull off are really impressive to me. Yeah, no, you're right. And I I am not really big on martial arts movies. And I think especially martial arts movies where it's just like, here's some cool stunts and the rest is worthless. It just doesn't grab me. So that's my thought on that. Next next on the list was my pick where I picked Matchstick Men, a.k.a. not bandits. (laughs) Um, So... um, I do recommend Bandits, and I'm glad we watched Matchstick Men. Like I said, Ridley Scott, Nicolas Cage, when he was still like trying to fit somewhere in the world of humanity, <laughs> not just <laughs> Nicolas Cage and Sam Rockwell, and of course, Josh, who stole the movie, every scene she's in. Allison Lohman, great in that film. So good. Yeah. So good, man. Uh, some other ones I was thinking about, Lost in Translation, which doesn't really connect with me, and it should because it's Sofia Coppola and Bill Murray. Scarlett Johansson, and I feel like maybe I need to rewatch that. School of Rock, I love Richard Linkletter, Jack Black. That's a good, fun movie. Kill Bill, Volume 1, a lot of people had wanted. And, uh, you know, we've done a Tarantino movie. This was, I like Kill Bill 1. I like Kill Bill 2 also. So, um, and then the last one, I think another kind of one that's kind of going under the radar probably now, but a really good movie, Shattered Glass, about uh, based on a true story about a news reporter uh, at a newspaper who gets caught plagiarizing like everything. And uh, it's got uh, Hayden Christensen, who I thought could not act at all because of his work in those Star Wars sequels from George Lucas. And then I watch this and I'm like, oh, he can act. It's just George Lucas making him talk like a weird robot that's ruining this. Um, I think that's Billy Ray's movie. Um, I recommend that movie. That's a good movie right there. Yeah, I agree. Shattered Glass is really good. And that would have been one to talk about. And maybe as I was, I mean, it got a lot of attention at the time it came out, but maybe has been forgotten a bit. So that would have been cool. But I love Matchstick Man. I feel like that was a weird thing where Dave and I liked that more than you did, even though it was your pick. Right. You did. And that's some, that again, we're talking about rediscovery, right? And like, I, I watched that one and I'm like, ah, I didn't like it as much as uh, the first time, but I feel like we rediscovered so many others this season. It really didn't matter to me. Yeah, well, I, so I was very happy with you uh, for making that pick. I aim to please, buddy. And you succeed. <laughs> so uh, Sundance, we talked about the Grand Jury Prize winner, American Splendor, which I think was another great rediscovery for us. Love it. I really love that film. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Also at Sundance, the uh, Grand Jury Prize for documentary went to Capturing the Freedmans, which we've mentioned. The audience award for drama went to The Station Agent, which we've also already mentioned. Uh, A few other big indie films of the time, uh, All the Real Girls from David Gordon Green, uh, 13, which you mentioned, uh, Catherine Hardwick's movie, which I think is horrible, and uh, Pieces of April, which I think is also horrible. But both of those movies uh, were big indie films at the time. And um, I've never seen All the Real Girls, but... um, David Gordon Green has had quite a weird career. I haven't seen it either, but fun fact, I did see 13 with my grandma in the movie. Oh, that's how was that? Uh, I mean, my grandma was so cool. It's like, you know, like it's it's like weird, but not nearly as weird as anything could have been because she's just she was just such an awesome lady. It was like I'm seeing this with a friend and we had a discussion about it. Oh, so, well, that's you know. lovely. Okay. What a nice little, yeah. nice little story. So, yeah. I mean, I think when you hear that, you you hear like, oh, you saw 13 with your grandma. You think it's going to be like the worst situation possible, right? Right. 
But no, it was great because my grandma was great. Wonderful. You know what else is great, Josh? The best picture of 2003. That's how you do a segue in this business, friends. (laughs) Nice work. Uh, It's the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Just a monolith of power and awards and not really a monolith of anything because it was the third in a, a trilogy. So, but what an influential film. What a success critically and with crowds financially and award-wise. Great film. Josh, the other ones we've mentioned up for Best Picture, Lost in Translation, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, which did win Best Cinematography, Uh, Mystic River, and Seabiscuit. Mattrace, Josh. Mattrace. Seabiscuit. (laughs) Yeah. Some of these, you know, Seabiscuit is one of those movies that was like this you know, big prestige thing. And like, who watches Seabiscuit anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking, you know, like, I know you hate House of Sand and Fog. Oh, I really do. In America was there. The Cooler was there. The Last Samurai. Like, there are other movies that could have taken that fifth fifth, uh, spot there. Yeah, a lot of other movies. Finding Nemo. How about Finding Nemo? Absolutely. How about Finding Nemo? So, and yeah, yeah, Master Commander has a weird cult following now even though it was it was nominated for all those awards but it was not a box office success but there are people who like ardently defend that movie which i don't think anyone does that for seabiscuit i wonder i mean if that's the case again that would be another one to rewatch and yeah i think that would be because i remember seeing it and thinking eh, not that it was bad it was just there wasn't really much to it and but people are like crazy for it maybe we got to do a second season on 2003 maybe we do uh, next up was Dave's pick. You want to talk about your pick and what else you might have uh, come up with, Dave? Sure. Well, we talked about Todd Phillips' old school. And of course, the room was a major thing for me, but, you know, spoiler alert, it's coming up. Uh, other things that I had considered, uh, also just like Jason, Kill Bill, of course. Um, also, Freddy versus Jason, which I think, as bad as it is, is a lot of fun. The Cooler is a movie that I had considered when we were first thinking of this season and then a mighty wind although we just recently talked about a christopher guest movie so it seemed like it made sense to go with something else some good picks in there and dave i i mean look todd phillips was was the premier comedy director for you know many years and this was the one that kind of really catapulted him you know not a road trip so yeah i think a uh, good pick and we'll see if he ever does comedy again or if he just makes joker movies joker 2 <laughs> can't wait for that the uh cult classic that we talked about the future cult classic as dave alluded to was the room and i, I like there really was no other choice for this i was looking at at our discussions no. and jason i think i don't think i suggested anything else and Jason, you suggested Love Actually, which we ended up in having in our audience choice poll. And I think Love Actually is too, that's just a classic, like not cult. Yeah. And then you had also suggested Secondhand Lions. Does that yeah. have a cult? People love that movie. Really? People love that movie. You're hmm. talking about Master and Commander, Secondhand Lions with Duval, Michael Caine, and uh, Haley Joel Osment. People love that movie, man. Okay. Hmm. I've Where, never like, seen it. I, I think I saw it. It's if I'm not mistaken, Haley Joel Osment's a kid who, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if his parents die or if they have to like move and he needs someone to watch, you know, live with. So he goes to lives with like his two uncles on a farm. And I could be making this all up, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens in the film, Josh. So all right, well, um, maybe something to watch. I had another one to throw in the mix, although of course the room had to be this episode. But uh, the Animatrix. 
I oh. think is something that has a real big cult following really? amongst you know nerds and stuff like that. Yeah, like nerds. it is definitely a big thing. I mean, they, I think they like it more than the Matrix sequels. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll tell you though, the room, man, it's, it's the fun best. to watch. Disaster Artist is fun to watch. Researching the room is fun. All things the room. Yeah, I mean, there was really no fun. question that we would do anything other than the. So that was yeah, I would have can- I would have canceled this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that. I said no more. Yeah. if that was the case. Josh, our audience choice award. You mentioned Love Actually. We went with Christmas movies, and we got a good response. Uh, and it was Elf, Bad Santa, Love Actually. Any would have been a, a deserving winner there. Um, and I do think we will get to one, if not both of those, around the holidays at some point. Uh, some other categories we came up with: horrible representations of hip hop. Cradle to the Grave, Honey, and Malibu's Most Wanted. That would have been an interesting one. Yeah, I don't know. Those are so different. I mean, maybe they all horribly represent hip-hop, but in very different ways. So uh, R.I.P. DMX also. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a weird time to... Yeah, yeah, sure. And Josh, the last one, which I think would have been a big hit, especially with our fans down under, are Australians with Names. Danny Deckchair, Ned Kelly, The Honorable Wally Norman, Kangaroo Jack, and Ned. All movies from 2003, all with Australians, all with names. That was, boy, did we, that was not a good idea at all. So <laughs> it, it does make me laugh, though, that, that category. I sadly, I've seen at least two of those. I've seen Danny Deckchair and uh, Kangaroo Jack. So, boy. Tell us about them. Let's not. <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, that was the end of our our season, and we always appreciate people giving us suggestions, giving us feedback. And when we announced this season, we had a lot of feedback, which was great. A lot of people uh, with their thoughts on what movies from two thousand three they wanted to hear about, um, including a lot of movies that we talked about. So hopefully, people found it interesting. Uh, you know, a, a selection here of ones that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Rich Johnson suggested one of the crappiest Coen Brothers movies. That's his quote, uh, Intolerable Cruelty, which I kind of like, actually. Oh, I will I will uh, tell Rich Johnson, whose podcasts I've done, he produces Kenny Banya, uh, Steve Hinman podcast, which I'm on from time to time. I will tell Rich Johnson he is wrong. It is the crappiest Coen Brothers movie <laughs> And the only other possibility is The Lady Killers. Yeah, The Lady Killers is worse. I kind of, I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember kind of liking Intolerable Cruelty. Jeremy Vaughn, always a dedicated fan, uh, suggested Runaway Jury, the uh, John Grisham adaptation, uh, along with some other things that we've uh, talked about already. But thank you for that. Adriana Lopez Stroman suggested Holes, which I remember actually really yeah. liking um, at the time with Shia LaBeouf. It's good. We watched it uh, about a year ago. It's no uh, Timmy failure, but it's good. All right. <laughs> really, lots of Timmy failure uh, connections going on here. Uh, she also suggested The Italian Job, the action remake, which I've never seen, but uh, was eh. a big success. I feel like that's a movie everybody talked about at the time. So I, I mean, it is, it. it is big, kind of. Yeah. It's one yeah. of those movies that was on cable like a million times afterwards that people would just watch like 10 minutes of it or something because it was on, I feel like. Gina, Dave's Dave's wife, suggested Lost in Translation. So shout out to Gina. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Kevin Fiddler had suggested uh, Ang Lee's version of Hulk, which came up. And that could have almost, I don't know if that was quite floppy enough, but uh, it was certainly perceived as a failure. 
um, and and was it made of- money, but I think critically it was bomb and nobody wanted it, and they rebooted the Hulk very quickly. It would be interesting to talk about because I'm pretty sure the whole uh, third act, the big battle, is. Um, stars exploding on each other maybe if i remember correctly yeah it's that like master grand commander is another like like big studio movie that was kind of a misfit at the time that certainly has has a cult following at this point but josh it did star eric banna an australian with a name true we could have thrown that in uh kevin fiddler also (laughs) suggested uh robert rodriguez's once upon a time in mexico the sequel to Desperado or was that the third one in the trilogy? Maybe Uh, I think it's the third, the third Josh is Robert Rodriguez ever going to make a good movie again. Probably not. Yeah. Don't say that to Dave, uh, the world's biggest fan of Alita battle angel, a fan of Alita battle angel. (laughs) All right. Uh, Donnie Thompson suggested something's got to give with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton, the, uh, Nancy Myers movie. That's a whole genre we really haven't explored, kind of the older romantic dramedies, you know, people getting on with age, but still trying to find love and their place in the world. We really haven't explored that on this show all that. Yeah. And I I mean, that is a movie that a lot of people love. And I remember not liking at that time, but that whole, you know, Nancy Myers has a whole like has cornered this this market. So, you know, something for us to get to maybe eventually. Uh, Michelle Wilmoth mentioned Party Monster with Macaulay Culkin. Wonderland, the biopic about John Holmes, the porn star, uh, and a movie that those could almost go side by side. They could. Yeah. They kind of have a connection there. The whole, the whole uh, weird uh, underground world with murder, um, and a movie that came up in some episode recently that I hate: Twenty One Grams, um, the uh, Inaritu film, which is just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, that's all. I know you want to vent about it, so no, let's no, no. Go, let's Josh. let's move on. We don't need to. We don't need to. Okay. Uh, thank you, Michelle, for your suggestions. Uh, Bruce Purcell suggested Head of State, the uh, movie where Chris Rock is the president. Dave is laughing. Have you seen that, Dave? Oh yeah, for sure. I saw that in the theater. Exactly. You know, that's it's such not a, great, uh, but yeah. <laughs> has there really been a successful? I think about Dave as the movie of like, hey, President Blank you know can't blank so we have to have x be the president now you know yeah and Dave, president blank is taken over by x that's quite a quite a genre <laughs> you know what i mean yes, it's I the fish out of water yeah. and the person has right. to become the president yeah. right i feel like the only good one i can think of is dave am i wrong i mean i don't know if that's a like thriving subgenre necessarily but i i did like dave i mean i haven't seen that in a long time with kevin klein Bullworth that was fun yeah but he's not the president yeah I kind of oh yeah Bullworth. oh yeah well, he wasn't Bullworth yeah. is one of those movies that's like a train wreck and also brilliant, like at the same time. And yeah. you got to give Bourne Beatty credit for just going all out going in that Bourne. film. I like Bullworth a lot, but I'm talking about the president. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. No, maybe that's uh, maybe that's it. Uh, Bo Pearson suggested House of Sand and Fog, which, as we mentioned, I hate also along with 21. But Games. I liked a lot. I oh, like okay. it too. Jameson Tufo suggested Bringing Down the House with Steve Martin and Queen Latifah. Yeah, another budding genre we haven't talked about. Uh, the genre having of uh, having too many kids. No, that's <laughs> not what that is. That's that's you're thinking of cheaper by the dozen. That's the movie where it's like, what if a black person and a white person were friends? 
Yeah. Oh, well then I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I confused that to be honest with you, because I think my genre actually has some value of like, how do you take care of all these kids? But the idea of like exploring a black person and white person being friends, like we got to be moving past that at this yeah, point. Yeah. I think there are, we talked about, you know, multiple comedies between old school and bad Santa where, you know, some elements might be seen as problematic now. I feel like bringing down the house is just all that all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> better for us not to have talked about it. Greg Philmont mentioned Shattered Glass, which is a movie we we also talked about. Uh, Girl with a Pearl Earring and Cold Mountain, which was a big Oscar movie that I think like some of these, you know, like Seabiscuit or something, it was this prestige movie that was touted and nominated for all this award all these awards and no one no one really remembers anymore yeah but isn't that we mentioned renee zellweger because of down with love that's what she won for right she Cold did Mountain. she did and uh, i mean maybe it's worth revisiting i haven't seen it uh probably since it was in theaters but uh, it's got a good soundtrack there you go and it's a, it's a movie that again that people don't really talk about anymore so uh hey josh yeah speaking about revisiting things in 2003 we can't leave out revisiting Bobby Cannavale as Jip Rossetti when he says, I got a gun. You got a gun. We all got guns. You know, I feel like 1977 was the height of our seasons for Jason impressions, but we had some good ones this season as well, including that. And you want to do your Tommy Wiseau one more time to, to end the season? I mean, I, I guess. You don't have Dave to. wants to do it. Lisa! <laughs> You're tearing me apart. I think I lost it. That's all right. That's so that's oh, hi, leave it in 2003. Leave it. Oh, hi, Dave. <laughs> but thank you again to all of those uh, listeners who, who sent us those suggestions. Um, it's always fascinating to see what, uh, you know, what people remember, what people hold on to from from these past years and a lot of good stuff that we might revisit or get to in bonuses or something down the road. And uh, so that's going to do it for this episode and this season of Awesome Movie Year. And uh, check us out on social media. Oh, we are on social media, Josh. I'm Jason Harris Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. Jay Harris Comedy on Twitter. And speaking of things that should have been left in 2003, my website is goforjason.com. We're at awesomemovieyear.com, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram, Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. And my website, joshbellhateseverything.com, I started in 2004, I think. So uh, almost mm. an artifact of this time. It's still there, sort of. Uh, Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And also check out our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Yeah, a lot of our suggestions that we that we talked about came from that group. So uh, always appreciate. Yeah, and we do we do cover the movies a lot. You know, when we build the seasons, we make sure we put in some suggestions. Not from dumb idiots who don't understand bad Santa, but from the smart listeners. Yeah. Well, I like I said, I left out, you know, there were a lot of suggestions for things that we did cover, but, you know, we're just kind of looking at the highlights of other things. Jason, do you want to uh, reveal what we are talking about in our next season? Josh, it would be my privilege. We are going back to the year when Dave's parents first met each other and their torrid romance just lit up the East Coast. Sex in cars, sex on couches, sex in parents' beds. 1967, Josh. 
the year of Dave's parents, the birth of their romance, and also a lot of great films. Yeah, is that true? Or did you just totally make all that up about Dave's parents? <laughs> well, I, um, I'm not going to answer that all part right. of it. But I am excited for 1967, R.C. I am too. And this is the furthest back in film history we've gone yet. And I'm always excited for us to take a look further back and gives us a chance to discover more that we haven't seen before. Hopefully, uh, we'll get some great suggestions from listeners on that as well. And uh, we're starting with the box office champ. So what will be uh, that first episode, Jason? Josh, not just the box office champion, but an all-time classic. One of the greatest of all American films, The Graduate, Mike Nichols. So tune in next time for The Graduate. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas. And uh, we're starting with the box office champ. So what will be uh, that first episode, Jason? Josh, you tell me. It's it's The Graduate. Do you want to deliver it or do you want me to? Yeah, Yeah, let's do that again.